This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. We're going to continue to move forward. In this sermon that the Lord delivered on the side of a mountain, a sermon that really sets the tone for what the king expects from kingdom citizens. You'll remember that the Gospel of Matthew has as its main theme, after uh, speaking about our Lord representing him as king, uh, the theme of how his followers, believers, ought to live flesh out righteousness, which is meeting our obligations to God. We have a number of countries on this earth. There's nationalism. Uh, All of those countries have their own flag. They have citizenship. Most of them guard their borders. And yet, We're not a part of any of those. Though we have our citizenship here, most of us as Americans, praise God for America, everything on this earth is temporary. There's only one eternal kingdom. And King Jesus reigns over that kingdom. So how should we be, how should we live as citizens of heaven? Well, we're going to look at another answer to that as we work through this fifth chapter where the Lord singles out six specific laws and he says you've read this from the law but I say unto you as the one who came not to annul any of that but to complete it I say unto you here's the spirit of the law keep the law but make sure that what you are in your hearts related to the law is correct also. Now, all of us know that life has been complicated by the fact that mankind, made in God's image, now knows both good and evil. And it is complicated. So, those parents who are here who have toddlers, you know if you have toddlers how complicated it can be. Uh, You have not ever taught them that it's not right to steal. Okay, you're just getting into that. And yet, if they're back in a room and there are two of them and one takes the toy from the other, immediately there's this sense of injustice that comes, right? And it may express itself in an angry scream or holler, but somehow they know that was mine, you took it, you're wrong. It gets a little more sophisticated the older we get. But we have this sense of justice. and But we also know good and evil. As a result, our innate sense of justice will seek revenge whether our cause is truly just or not. When vengeance is fueled by sinful wrath, the possibilities for harm are unlimited. And so, in the earliest chapters of our Bible, you have a boy, young man, 
who knows already that he's to worship God by offering blood sacrifices. And he deviantly woos his brother out to a field. The brother did offer a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. He gets Abel out in the field, and he kills him, the first murder in the Bible, committed by Cain. But then Cain complains he's fearful of what? Everyone who, tr- who comes and meets me, they're going to try to kill me. Why? Sense of vengeance, sense of revenge, which is rooted in a sense of justice. Look, you killed an innocent life. You deserve to die. Why was he thinking that way? Why was he fearful that others would be thinking that way? Because we're made in the image of God. But when vengeance is fueled by sinful wrath, all kinds of things can happen. And this is why God calls to his people, and he says this, Romans 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches specifically about the matter of revenge by showing kingdom citizens how their behavior in this area should be different than that of earth's citizens. When it comes to vengeance, when it comes to our responses to wrongs that are done to us, we should be different. Matthew 5, 38 to 42, I believe is the go-to passage. So I'm so glad you're here this morning. The go-to passage for followers of Christ who watch in others or face themselves the injustices that are inevitable here. Man is born unto trouble. Offenses are going to come. You can't avoid it, and offenses are going to be done to you. What you can do, though, is respond like a kingdom citizen when earth's citizens wrong you. And, oh, by the way, there are going to be times, and for me this is even more difficult, when kingdom citizens wrong other kingdom citizens. And you're going to be able to show how to respond rightly, biblically to that. So I've entitled the message this morning, Based on What Our Lord Teaches, Kingdom Righteousness Over Earthly Revenge. Now lest any of us sit there piously, well, I don't feel that. No, you do feel that. I know you do. What... We think, what we're tempted to think is what William Shakespeare said, revenge is hammering in my head. <laughs> uh, we we, we want to take up our cause. We want to take up a weapon. We, we, we want to give place to wrath. And it'll just bang around in our head until justice, we think, is done. All right, so Jesus begins by reminding his listeners about the standard for vengeance. Look at verse 38, Matthew 5. Here's the standard for vengeance. Ye have heard that it hath been said, 
And we already know from the other times that the Lord has used that expression. Those holy men of God in the past, Moses, prophets, others, who spake the very words of God that we have in, in Scripture. All right? Ye have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, does the Bible really say that? Well, yes, it does. Jesus said it did, and let's look at the passages that teach that. Exodus 21, 24, and 25, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Leviticus 24, 19 and 20, and if a man cause a blemish, that literally means a disfigurement in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, what's that mean? Fracture for fracture. You break his arm, somebody ought to break your arm. If you meant to do it in a malicious way. And then he goes on, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Listen to Deuteronomy 19.21. And thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now once again, we, oh, that's, that's strong. Yeah, unless a drunk driver hits somebody in your family and they're maimed. Well, I just don't feel that way. Oh, stop it. Sure you do. There's a sense of justice that rises up. That was wrong. Somebody's been harmed and so on. And why do people think this way? Well, here's what God has said. Justice. Now, the context here, the Old Testament law, also helps us understand that government is to carry out these mandates. So God establishes the authority of government to reward good, punish evil. But you and I understand, we know what vigilantes are. We're all tempted to take the law into our own hands, right? And that's why even in Old Testament Israel, there were cities of refuge. Why? Because the Lord knew if somebody slays one of my kinsmen, uh, I, I'm going to be tempted to go after them and seek revenge, make this right. And so cities of refuge were established where folks could run there. It may have been a complete accident, but they could run into that city. The city elders then would hold a trial, would weigh the evidence to see whether or not someone deserved to be punished. And if they didn't deserve to be punished, it was an accident, they could be protected within that city. So... Is this something that man struggles with on this planet? And the answer is yes. I was watching a documentary recently about the war in North Africa, World War II. And it gave the account of a young soldier who was told by his commander to take a group of German prisoners and to march them back to headquarters. And they were shorthanded, so this one soldier with a weapon, was to take all these German prisoners back to headquarters. So he started marching them back there, went around a sand dune, and all of a sudden, there's gunfire. 
Well, some soldiers ran over to see what had happened, and this American GI had taken his weapon and had killed every one of those prisoners. The commander was furious. In fact, he stated in the documentary that he wanted to shoot his soldier himself because this was not just. This was not what was supposed to happen. But then in, the, in, in examining the soldier and, and trying to figure out what happened, here's what happened. This American GI was Jewish. And his parents had died in a concentration camp. And what happened after that was, well, the commander said, I'm shorthanded, and he just took the soldier back into the ranks, and they marched off to battle. So here's my question for you. Was the soldier's action justified? Now, don't answer that, but answer it internally. Was it justified? Uh was his standard, the soldier's standard, was that truly just? And we could get into an open discussion about this. Well, did every one of those German prisoners, did every one of them agree with the Nazi cause? Did they hate Jews? Did they deserve to die that way? And we, we could have that discussion... But I just share that because it gets us to thinking, all right, what about the standard for vengeance? And you and I understand there's only one. He set the standard and he can carry out justice exactly the way that it needs to be done. And who is that? It's the God of heaven. And so we need to be very careful where we don't just run in there because I'm going to fix this. I know what justice is. If you know your Bible, you've got a far better idea about that. But you always have to step back and acknowledge my brain is limited. I don't see everything I need to see. I don't know everything that I need to know. And therefore, I have to yield to the God of heaven and I need to follow his word and I better be careful. All right. So the standard for vengeance, the Lord lays that out. After reminding them about that standard, though, Jesus teaches the spirit that lets vengeance go. The spirit that lets vengeance go. Look at verse 39. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Now, the way that that is worded in the original language, it literally is that you resist not an evil person. Now, if we stopped right there, you'd think, what is the Lord saying? We're not to resist anyone who's evil. That's not what he's saying. Keep reading. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay, now for some, that just made it even more complicated. You mean we should get pushed around? We should, we should let others misuse us. And our minds want to go to that extreme, right? Does this mean that anyone who chooses to abuse me is allowed to do so? Well, that's not what the Lord is teaching. So let's, let's look at... At a, let's take a closer look at this. As a general rule, 
You need to understand this. And I remember learning this many years ago. My youth pastor taught our Bible class in our Christian school. And I'll never forget him helping us understand this principle. And here it is, all right? As a general rule, Scripture always allows for self-defense. It does. Always allows for self-defense. Take your Bibles, and let's turn over to Luke's Gospel. We'll come back here to Matthew. But go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Jesus has sent his disciples out. He's getting ready to send them out again. And in verse 36, he makes this interesting statement. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Now, for all you folks who believe in the Second Amendment, you're tempted to make that your life verse. Ah, there it is. Yes. Well, the Lord does allow for self-defense. Drop down to verse 38. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. In other words, all right, we're set. Now, why would the Lord say that to his disciples when he had said to them earlier, don't take a sword? Well, here's, here's what he's doing. He's helping them initially to say, look, you need to depend completely on me. So if you go into a town and you need to be fed, okay, just ask, I'll have someone there feed you. If they don't want to uh, help you, if they don't want to hear your message, knock the dirt off your shoes and go on to the next town. But I'm going to take care of you. Depend completely on me. And by the way, there are going to be dangers in your travels. I'm going to watch over you. But then later, once they've gotten that principle settled, he's also helping them realize when you're out and about, there are going to be people who are going to come after you, not because of your Christian faith, but because they're thugs and they just want to steal from everybody. And when you meet people like that, all right, show them your sword, hopefully they'll run in the other direction. But you do have the right to protect yourself and what I have given to you. Where the line is drawn is when they're coming after you and there's persecution because you're a citizen of my kingdom. And when that happens, really the rules are going to change. Now, let's, let's read on here. Let's look at this more carefully. The context here addresses this primary issue, vengeance. It's one thing in the middle of the night, someone tries to break into your home, they seek to harm your family, take your things, defend yourself, okay? Defend yourself. But where there is vengeance, okay, that's what the Lord is addressing. Kingdom citizens are not given to vengeance. The scripture appeals to three great helps to turn away vengeance. And now they're right here in the text. So here's, here's what will help your spirit when it comes to vengeance. First of all, let your spirit be governed by godly wisdom. Let your spirit be governed by godly wisdom. 
Now, why is that important? Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Proverbs 24, 28, 29. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, for would you deceive with your lips? Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Godly wisdom says, don't seek vengeance. And by the way, there are other ways that God says you can pursue justice, and that's why we have government, that's why we have these other avenues, but Christians, stop. Who are you supposed to take that problem to first? God. Well, I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to get these people to help me fix it. How about if you let God fix it? That's what the teaching is. Now, why do we need to let godly wisdom govern our spirit? Simply this, because you can get it wrong. Have you ever perceived something and you thought, this is wrong, and here's how I need to fix this, and when you got involved, because you didn't know the whole matter, you discovered it wasn't how I perceived it at all. We all can make that mistake. So we need godly wisdom. We need to search it out. A wise man does that. He gets the whole picture. He finds out what really happened. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Because we we can get it wrong. Here's something else that will help govern your spirit when it comes to vengeance. Let your spirit be governed by Jesus' example. Now, why? Because he got it right. He got it right every time. Listen to Isaiah 50 and verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now, that was the prophecy. Listen to the, how it was fulfilled, Matthew 26, 67, and 68. It tells us there that after Jesus' arrest, They spit in his face. They hit him with fists. He was blindfolded. They slapped him on the face. And here's what they said to him. Prophesy to us, Messiah, who struck you? Wow. Now, why were they doing that? Because he was the Christ. Because he correctly professed himself to be God. Why were they hateful? Why did they abuse him? It was because of who he was. He was the king. We're simply citizens. He was the king. Why didn't Jesus react? What was he focused on to not seek vengeance? Well, that brings us to the third thing that will help your spirit. Pride says, I don't deserve this. Well, if you look to Jesus, he didn't deserve it either. But for a greater cause, he was willing to endure it. So here's the third uh, thing that will help your spirit. Let your spirit be governed by the need of eternal souls that are more important than your temporal revenge. I won. They paid. Yeah, but is that the biggest consideration? 
So when the smoke cleared and the dust settled, you were on top of the pile. Yea, for you. But is that what is most important? No, it's really not. Why do we need to let our spirit be governed by the need of eternal souls? Because we need to get it right. Eternity is in the balance for people. Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide. Now what, what is he talking about there? Provide has the idea. Provide for right thinking before you respond. What should we be thinking correctly about this situation before we let emotion and action take over? Well, provide for right thinking beforehand about things honest, things that are honorable in the sight of all men. Listen to Romans 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Anger will blind you to what really matters, souls, when vengeance wants to win. And you know what? That's all about self. All about self. So imagine with me the night, and I love the example of Paul and Silas. They're in the Philippian prison. They're in stocks. And, and I studied this one time. Let me, let me have you experience a little of what Paul and Silas went through. And they've been able to make discoveries over there and, and see how the Romans would do this. After their backs were beaten bloody, all right, take a stack of hymnals or books at home and raise your, sit on the floor, raise your feet about six to eight inches. And then just bend over and try to grab your toes and stay that way for a while. Say, Pastor, I'd rather not, I'd have to call 911 to get me off the floor. Okay, I understand, all right? But that's, they had bloody backs. That's how they are. And Silas turns to Paul and he says, says this. You know, we've met a lot of Roman jailers. That guy's a jerk. I mean, who does he think he is? Beating us. And oh, by the way, Paul, you're going to remind him you're a Roman? Hey, you know, ah, vengeance. No, what are they doing in there? They're thinking about souls. They're thinking about glorifying God. They're singing praise to God. And you know how the story ends. Because they were thinking about the fact that they're kingdom citizens, they want to honor King Jesus, they're singing. God uses that to penetrate the heart of that jailer. He's saved by the end of the night. His whole household is saved. How awesome is that? It was not about self. Paul and Silas were not thinking about themselves. Were they hurting? Horribly. But they were thinking about what was most important. Let me have us go to another passage, and we'll do this quickly. Would you turn to 1 Peter? Peter spends a lot of time helping believers around the empire have a right focus when it comes to persecution. And would you notice with me 1 Peter chapter 3? I'm going to just read it, very little comment here, but I think you'll be able to... Uh, quickly understand what is being taught here. Let's start in verse 19. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Chapter, verse 9 is where I want to start. 
1 Peter 3, 9. Not rendering evil for what? Evil. Nor railing for railing. But contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain the tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, do good. Let him seek peace and, and, and sue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open under their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? Now, just, just take a, a long look at verse 13. Who can harm you when your pursuit is about good? Well, but, but look what happened to Paul and Silas. Yeah. Did God take care of them or didn't he? Sure he did. Verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Oh, see, that's, that's consistent with what we saw earlier. And this needs to be our thinking. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that lieth in you with meekness and fear. Now, just a moment. Why would they ask you of the hope that lies in you? Because when it comes to wrath and vengeance, you don't respond like they do. And they want to know, what's up with you? Why, why are you like this? Oh, I am so glad you asked. Now, go to verse 40. Just jump down to the end of the chapter. Uh, no, 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 you can't do that. There's no verse 40. All right. <laughs> Phil Withers, edit that out when you do the radio broadcast. Thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> the application, the application for this text is actually found back in Matthew 5. Let's go there. All right. Matthew 5, verses 40 to 42. I got ahead of myself. Forgive me. So Jesus reminds his listeners about the standard for vengeance as declared in his law. He explains the spirit that his followers should have to resist vengeance. Now, he gets very practical by listing some situations where they would be tempted to seek vengeance. I've, I've shared with you some extreme cases, but the Lord pulls it back to practically how we live every day, the stuff that we have to face every day that can irritate you and make you want to get even. And what he shares here may not seem that big a deal, but if it happens repeatedly in your life, you're going to struggle. So the situations that foment revenge, here they are, verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, that's the inner tunic, let him have thy cloak, your outer coat, also. You've heard the expression, give him the shirt off your back. Well, this takes it a step, just give him whatever you're wearing. The difficulty here is, if you look closely, the legal system went along with this frivolous, ridiculous suit. 
So not only do you have a neighbor who maybe has it out for you, but the legal system siding with him or her. So the first area here that can foment vengeance and re revenge on our is unjust litigation. That ferments revenge. Now, we have a great legal system, and they never get anything wrong and is completely just, so I'm going to tempted to move on, but maybe I shouldn't. And you're laughing because you know sometimes it gets pretty silly, and people make a lot of money off of silly. Okay? And if you refuse to bake a cake for somebody, you could end up at the Supreme Court in this country. All right, so what are you going to do about that? I'm going to seek vengeance. This isn't right. No, 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 no. Uh, by the way, what an example that cake, that Christian cake decorator was. I'll, I'll make you a cake for whatever else, but I'm not making a cake for your wedding because what you want to do goes against the Scriptures. So I'll, what kind of a cake do you want for something else? I'll, I'll help you out, but not that cake. And he had a great spirit about it. He acted like a citizen of the kingdom. So the law forbade keeping a man's outer coat because of the cold. Exodus 22, 26, and 27. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge. In other words, he says, hey, can I borrow this? Well, you want to get that back. And so, um, uh, or you want to borrow something. You say, look, I'll give you my coat if I can borrow your axe. Okay. All right, so that's the deal. Thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goes down. For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin, wherein shall he sleep. And it shall come to pass when he cries unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. What is the Lord saying there? Just in a gracious way, saying, vengeance is mine. Make sure you give him his coat back. It gets cold. Now, in the face of unjust litigation, can you give the matter to the judge of the whole earth who sees and will do justly, and can you do it with a Christ-honoring spirit? Our minds want to go to all the specific ways that this needs to be applied. We don't have time for that. And by the way, the Holy Spirit will help you apply it when you face that thing. But for the sake of Christ's kingdom and lost souls... Are you willing to give a little extra to show that you care for them but are not like them? I've shared the illustration before. A pastor that I served under a number of years ago, he had a godly grandmother, and she had a neighbor who hated her. Now, ladies, imagine this. Every time she planted flowers, the neighbor at night would come over and pull them out. All right, what can you do with a neighbor like that? Well, I'm thinking about the pellet gun right now. No, don't think about the pellet gun right now. You know what she did? She'd make her one of her best pies every time. And eventually, the neighbor surrendered and got saved. Okay, well, it's not fair. I'll just keep trying to plant flowers, and I'm going to bake pies too. Ah, there's citizen of the kingdom. So, unjust litigation ferments revenge. And, and 
you know what? I, I couldn't stop in time and I bumped into their bumper. And you would have thought that I ran them off a cliff. And now we're in court. And they want to get all this money. Uh, okay, come on. So what do I do with that? Well, I go to court. I'm going to seek justice. But you know what? I'm not going to hate them. I'm going to let them know I'm praying for them. I might even ask the Lord to help me think of some special ways that I can be a blessing to them. Here's another one that the Lord brings up. Not only unjust litigation can uh, stir revenge in us, so can unreasonable demands. Look at verse 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, compel thee to go a mile. A Roman mile was a thousand paces. Okay? So, a thousand paces. In our measurements today, it's about half a mile. But go with them two miles. Go, go with them another thousand paces. So for us, it'd be go a mile out of your way to help them. Now, what is this talking about? In Jesus' day and throughout the empire, the Roman Empire authorities could press into immediate service a man's horses, his wagons, his ships, the man himself to do a task on behalf of the Romans. You have to help. You don't get any choice about that. And so you'll remember when Jesus was carrying his cross up to Calvary, what happened? He stumbles and he falls, and Simon from Cyrene just happened to be close. And a Roman looked over and said, you carry that cross. What was Simon's option? Carry the cross. And he helped get the cross to the top of that hill. Quite literally, Simon understood what it means to carry the cross. All right. So, what about that? Unreasonable demands can foment revenge. We need to be ready to submit to unreasonable demands of whatever kind rather than raise quarrels. The Spirit of Christ resists vengeance in the face of unreasonable demands. How do you respond when the boss places demands on you that he doesn't place on others? Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had that happen? I don't think he likes me. He may not like you. What do you do? Do you respond with a Christ-honoring spirit when you seem to be singled out and unreasonable demands are made of you? What can you do to show everyone watching that you are a citizen of heaven's kingdom? Rather than focusing on the injustice, focus on, all right, here's an opportunity to show everybody that I'm not from here. What are you going to do? What, what an opportunity. But would you agree with me and the Lord that unreasonable demands foment revenge? This isn't right. I, I need to make this right. Where's the HR office? Well, by the way, that's human resources in case I, I lost some of you on there. All right. And I'm not saying you can't appeal, but you know what? Just step back and ask the Lord, what is really important here, and how can I be a testimony for you? 
Okay? Well, I think this, I think this boss has it out for me. Bake him a pie. No, guys, have your wife bake the pie. All right, that, that might not help your cause. But, but, Lord, how can I be a blessing? How can I be a help? How can I show love to this person in the face of their bitterness or, or whatever their issue is? Here's the third area. Along with unjust litigation, unreasonable demands, Jesus reveals this area, unsolicited and inconvenient requests. Those can foment Revenge. Look at verse 42. Give to him that asketh thee. Be in the habit of giving to those who express need. All right, so let's pause for a moment. Ladies, do you have one of those neighbors who don't get what they need at the grocery store? Okay. You are her supply for sugar. Eggs, butter, laundry detergent. I don't know. But, oh, I forgot to get it again this week. Uh, now, you wouldn't do that. Oh, bless your heart. You know that southern for you're a knucklehead, right? Okay. All right. Bless your heart. Okay. You have an opportunity to show, no, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Where I'm going, they never run out of butter, and I don't have to shop for it. Amen. And everything I have, King Jesus gave me anyway. Let's go see what's in the pantry. Right. And you can love them to Jesus. Say, that's weird. No, the way you want to live is dangerous. What kinds of emotions are stirred in you when you face unsolicited, inconvenient requests? We do not violate Scripture to fulfill what Jesus is teaching here. For example, we are warned against giving to those who won't work. If your neighbor won't work and constantly wants your food, well, that's a problem. You know, we get those requests at the church, too. Folks will show up here and they'll have tobacco and alcohol in their breath. They can afford that, but then they can't feed themselves. Well, so you need God's wisdom at those times. But overall, what matters? That individual soul. So we've done this here. We'll take them out and take, take them to get a bite to eat. Many times they'll, they'll decline that. They don't want that. Sometimes they'll take advantage of it. And so you can sit across the table and share Christ with them while you give them a meal. But we've got to guard against assuming that they were careless, that they messed up, that they're under some kind of judgment from God or whatever we want to think to remove us from the opportunity to be a blessing. What about those who are always wanting to borrow from you? Well, verse 42 addresses that as well. And from him that would borrow of thee, that simple borrowing, turn not thou away. This unfeeling refusal. No, can't have that. You broke the last tool I gave you. Well, maybe they did. But don't refuse. The Spirit of Christ resists vengeance in the face of inconvenient and unsolicited requests. 
Instead, kingdom citizens recognize that all that we have was lent to us by the Lord, and we can give, lend those things to others as a testimony to our great king. So let's close. Jesus is not asking kingdom citizens to do anything that he did not fulfill by his coming to earth. In fact, would you agree with me, Jesus faced this stuff every day. He'd heal lepers, and they all came back and just thanked him and thanked him. No, out of ten, one came back. And how often the Lord would do things, and at the most inconvenient times, people would show up and want things. How do we know it was inconvenient? Because it's driving the disciples crazy. That's why their reactions would, 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 we would see those reactions from time to time. And what would the Lord say? Something important has to happen here. And he would minister to them. Unjust litigation, unreasonable demands, inconvenient, unsolicited requests mark each day of Jesus' earthly ministry. Ultimately, mercy prevailed over the injustice that was the cross. You talk about wrong litigation. And yet when he went to the cross, he willingly laid down and he gave his life. And you and I are the recipients of that. And by the way, he didn't die for his sin. He died for mine. He died for yours. Ah, these, these little injustices that happen and these things that can get us so worked up. Ah, think like a citizen of heaven. Could Jesus have gotten revenge? Yeah, the scripture tells us he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But instead, here's what he did. He died alone for you and for me. And so as kingdom citizens, let's be very careful in our reactions and may God's wisdom May the example of Christ, may these things govern our hearts. Not my rights, but their soul's needs. And let's be an example of that for the Lord. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to represent you here. We know that we're going to a city not made with hands, a new Jerusalem where we'll be able to live forever and visit a new earth. Lord, our rest, our peace, our problem-free life is coming. But right now, there are those around us who are in darkness who need to see Jesus. They need to see our love, our compassion, not our reactions. They're used to that. And Lord, it is shameful that sometimes the world responds better than Christians do in some of these ways. Lord, would you control us by your Spirit? And Father, help us not to seek vengeance. But Lord, to give those things to you, we should seek justice in a proper means with the right spirit. But Lord, so many times it's the frivolous things that we get all worked up over. And, and God, we miss opportunities to minister to others for the sake of the kingdom. So would you help us to surrender our hearts, our attitudes to you. And Lord, help us to shine as your citizens here. 
We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.